Hey, hey family. family. I'm Joanna. And I'm Shannon. And, and we're, we're just ordinary, ordinary Catholics. Catholics. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, come Holy Spirit, Spirit, come. Come, Holy come. Spirit, come. Hey, God, it's us. We love you. Open our hearts and our eyes to love you and to see you in some small way or big way today. Amen. Amen. God, I just sent the Holy Spirit. That's about all I got today. Sorry. It's great. <laughs> the small ways are just as important as the big ways sometimes. Yes. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about holy days of obligation. What are they? Why are they important? Do we have to do it? Do we have to do it? Or just gaining a little bit more insight onto each of the days of obligation, why each one is marked as a holy day of obligation, which I have to be honest, this was extremely educational for me. I feel like I learned so much about the days that I did, that I did the research for. Like I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic, so the Holy Days of Obligation I've always known about and we just went to like no questions asked. And I feel like I understood the very surface level of what they were, but not the history behind it or why it's important. Growing up, we also went to some of the Holy Days of Obligation, I'm going to be honest. And we, sometimes us kids gave some pushback. It's hard enough to get us to go to church on Sundays, and then we have to go in the middle of the week. Right, or like two days in a row. Ugh. <laughs> Actually, well, let's, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think. Yes, so let's, let's start from the beginning. is a holy day of obligation, and do we have to? Let's start with do we have to. So holy days of obligation are days that the church has designated as days that all Catholics are called to attend Mass or the Eucharistic Feast. Yes, this is one of the precepts of the Catholic faith. Okay, I'm gonna sound really dumb here, but what is a precept? <laughs> like, what are, we have, what? Yes, hey Siri. Hang on. Oh, you have to summon her. Hey Siri, what's a precept? A general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. Did that help you? Kind of. So precepts of the church, I sometimes have seen them referred to as our church's commandments are certain laws of our church that kind of bind us as the faithful. So the very first one is that you must attend mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation. Oh, okay. Some of the other ones include confession at least once a year. That one I knew. So I guess I kind of knew Mm -hmm. or know. Receiving Holy Communion during Easter. Okay, so I think I knew a lot of these, but maybe I didn't know that they were called precepts. Yes. I just figured they were like... There's just a couple founding... Normal Catholic things. Yeah. Catholic things you should do. So the very first precept is to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days. So there are six recognized Holy Days in the Catholic Church in the United States, which include... Mary, Mother of God, which is January 1st, the Ascension, which is 40 days after Easter, 
the Assumption, which is August 15th, All Saints Days, November 1st, the Immaculate Conception, which is December 8th, and then the Nativity is December 25th. And I think in that's what it is in the United States, but in other countries, I think they do have other holy days of obligation. Like, for example, I know in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is a holy day of obligation because that is a saint that is very distinguished, I guess, and important to the country. Yeah, the country, Irish people. Uh, but it's not a holy day of obligation in the States. In Europe, the Epiphany which is January 6th, is always celebrated on January 6th. Here it is celebrated on the Sunday between the 2nd and the 8th. So if that happens to fall, if the Sunday happens to fall on the 6th, then we celebrate it on the day, but otherwise we observe it on different days. A fun fact about the Epiphany. So Taylor Swift's song, Lover, she puts like in like the opening line, it's like, we can leave the Christmas lights up till January. And I always get a kick out of that line because it was like, yeah, girl, didn't you always do that? Because in our family, you left them up until the Epiphany because that was the 12th day of Christmas. And, like, that's how long Christmas lasts. Yeah. Sorry, just tangential to our conversation, but side note. <laughs> it always makes me feel less guilty about having to get Christmas decorations down early. Because you have time to do it. Yeah. Currently in our diocese of Orlando, the obligation to attend Sunday Mass has been suspended because of COVID-19. But outside of a global pandemic, Sundays are actually also considered holy days of obligation in addition to those six special days that Shannon mentioned a second ago. There are a few, three of them actually, the January 1st, Mary Mother of God, the Assumption, which is in August, and then All Saints. If those fall on a Saturday or a Monday, then it's just all celebrated in the weekend mass so that you don't have to go to church or I shouldn't say you don't have to. You're not obligated to go to church two days in a row. But for Christmas, yeah, you have to go. If Christmas is on a Friday, you have to go Friday or Thursday night. And then you have to go again for the Sunday obligation. Yeah, there are a couple that there's no exception. It's on Sunday. Which you might be wondering, like, Easter isn't a holiday of obligation? Well, it, it is, but it's Easter always takes place on a Sunday, which... Sundays are whole, always Holy Days of Obligation, so Easter kind of fits nicely into that category without it requiring a special day. Right, like the way it's worded in the catechism is Sunday is a day to be treated differently than other days of the week. Holy Days, which are when we celebrate Jesus, Mary, and the saints, should be celebrated in the same way. So since Easter's on a Sunday, always, you don't have to give it the designation of being a holy day. Nobody likes being obligated to do anything. So why do we call them that? I don't know. But here's why. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a, a different way of thinking about holy days of obligation. So in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If we take stock in that and love and respond to that love, it leads us into sharing the sacrament of the Eucharist with Jesus on holy days of obligation. The church doesn't ask us to attend holy days of obligation to give us a honey-do list or because they think it's fun to tell people, like, you have to come to Mass these days. They ask us to attend Mass on these special days because there's something special about them. And if we're responding to the love we have for Christ, we should want to attend those days. 
it is hard to get up early the next day after being, you know, especially on a day like January 1st, which is Mary, Mother of God. It's the day after New Year's Eve, and most people are out super late. You might have heard these days referred to as solemnities, and that is a fancy word given to certain days of the church of great importance. Those include any mystery, any celebration of saints that are important to our faith foundation, Jesus, Mary, those are all solemnities. Um, And then other days, such as Valentine's Day, that is a feast of St. Valentine, all holy days of obligations are solemnities, but not all solemnities are holy holy days. So some days, if you go to daily mass, on a solemnity, even if it's not a day that's obligated, you might hear three readings instead of two. That is a distinguishing quality of a solemnity, is that you get that extra reading in during the daily mass. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I know, I don't remember which priest it was, but at our home parish, one of the priests, when he would do daily mass, he would always tell you what the saint of the day was. Like today's... It was Father Valere. Okay, yes. I love him. Me too. He was... Yeah. He was such a good, good priest. But every day he would start Mass with, hey, this is so-and-so's feast day, and here's a little bit about them, which I always appreciated. So some days they were not they were just the feasts of that saint, but some days they were, he would say, like, this is the solemnity of so-and-so. Like, I think John saints, the Baptist. I think John the Baptist, Saints Peter and Paul, and St. Joseph's, Joseph's? St. Joseph are all solemnities. Let's get started by going through the calendar year of all of these holy days of obligation. Are we going in the Julian calendar? Are we going according to the Julian calendar? Or are we going in according to the church's calendar? Ooh. Do you know when the new year starts in the church? Of course I do. It's Advent. Okay. That's your that's choice the, then. That's why they say Happy New Year when Advent starts. Let's do the Julian calendar. Let's do the regular calendar just because I think that most people will be familiar with that. Sure. Go in that order. So January 1st. For me, that is the toughest day to get up and go to Mass because it is the day after New Year's Eve. And that is Mary, Mother of God, takes place on January 1st. Yeah, and before then you have your normal Sunday Mass, and before then you have Christmas. It's it's a, a lot of church in a couple weeks. All at once. I remember there was one year that my dad usually texts us, like, to remind us, hello, family, just a reminder, today's a holy day of obligation, or tomorrow's a holy day of obligation. And I, like, missed my alarm, and I got up, I kid you not, like, five minutes before Mass started, and basically walked out of my apartment in my pajamas. Oh my. Like, I think I like changed out of my pajama bottoms and like put on jeans or something, but I didn't brush my teeth, I didn't put on deodorant, I didn't brush my hair, I didn't like just had a t-shirt and jeans on, like flip-flops, and I never wear flip-flops, and I raced into mass and my brother and his girlfriend were already there, and I just like, kind of like keep your head down shuffled in next to them to sit down I mean I made it in time for mass but I was like in you gotta dress for the wedding feast Joanna I know listen at that (laughs) moment in time it was like I gotta be there 
Being there is better than not being there. That's the priority. Yep. So why is Mary, Mother of God, January 1st, a holy day of obligation? Should we shorten it to hoodoo? (laughs) Hoodoo? H-doo. An (laughs) H-doo. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. So the short answer is, or just a do, a day of obligation. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Maybe just HDO. Holy day of obligation. Like HBO, but HDO. Oh, my goodness. Okay, sorry. We're unraveling. Sorry. (laughs) The short answer is that Mary is Jesus' mother, and that is a pretty big deal. She was born completely without sin, which is kind of a hint to another day of Holy Day, She was born without sin, which is a hint to another holy day of obligation we will talk about in a minute. But she loved Christ so much and raised him with his foster father, Joseph. And on this feast day in particular, it's a great way to start out our new year remembering Mary's yes or her fiat to God. Something Shannon and I always do is pick a word for the new year and we strive to embody that word throughout the year and in 2019 mine was endurance and I was going through some real tough stuff so that was a good word to have and it was a good way to start off that year for me by going to that mass and remembering that if Mary can say yes to Jesus then I can get through this year. In 2020 my word is flourish So remembering that Mary, who was a 14-year-old human girl, said yes to God in all things is a good reminder to me that I can and I should also say yes to God working in my life and on my heart. It's a great way to start off my year by also dedicating my time on earth and another year of life by recognizing that God should be at the center of it, just like he was at the center of Mary's life. Beautiful. That's really nice. Yeah. Now I can't wait for January 1st. Me either. Maybe all of this will be different because yeah. 2020 has been an interesting year. Yes, it has been. So another day that comes after January 1st is typically Ash Wednesday. People, a lot of people, think that is a holy day of obligation, and it is not. That is not to discourage you to not attend, but that is one of the most highly attended services of the year I think after Christmas and Easter it's Ash Wednesday which is funny because more people come on Ash Wednesday and it's not a holy day it's beautiful it is pretty cool and it's funny sometimes we go to just the liturgy service to get our ashes and not go to the full mass and I always hear people when we leave I thought this was church we didn't do communion or anything but the reason they're able to do that is because it's not actually a holy day of obligation. So sometimes they do offer a, a Eucharistic celebration during that time of full Mass, and sometimes they just do the liturgy of the Word. And actually, I've, I've heard at UCF they just have priests, like, passing out ashes. Yeah, I think at the CCM Student Center, you could just walk in and you can get your ashes and be on your merry way, which is really awesome. I've actually gotten ashes at UCF, and it is so cool to see so many other Kids. Catholic That's college cool. students. It's very empowering to be able to easily identify, like, all of your other Catholic brothers and sisters. That's really cool. It's a great way to start out the Lenten season. And if you're able to go to Ash Wednesday service, 
you're definitely able to go to all of these other actual obligatory choices. <laughs> Moving on. Next we have the Ascension, which takes place 40 days after Easter. During this holy day, we recognize the moment when Jesus ascends into heaven, his whole body flies up into heaven. That would be insane to, <laughs> to see. And Just he does it in front of his followers. They Jesus all flying across the sky like Superman. Like, it reminds me of kind of like when we watch the rocket launches and you just watch this little orange fiery thing going up to the sky. Um, that took place on the Mount of Olives. It is always celebrated 40 days after Easter because the Easter season lasts 40 days. However, we in the United States celebrate it on a Sunday. And actually... In other countries, it's known as Holy Thursday, but we get kind of confused between Holy Thursday and Maundy Thursday, which is, we call that Holy Thursday here, which is the day of the Last Supper. If you watch our Encore Edge video on YouTube, we actually talk about the 40 days after Jesus's resurrection, where he is hanging out with all of his disciples. And the end of that 40 days is when the ascension happens. Yes, I would advise you check out that video. Joanna gets very excited. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> excited is one way to put it. I mostly just make a fool out of myself. The Ascension was found in some writings, such as the Constitution of the Apostles, as early as 375 AD is when it was first recognized as a holy day. Um, and it is one of the church holidays that is ecumenical which means it's celebrated across Christian faiths. In addition to this is Christmas and Easter. But the rest of the holy days are not. They're only recognized in... I don't know if that's true. That's cool. But the rest of the holy days are not necessarily recognized in every... Denomination. Denomination, thank you. Uh, we don't really do a lot here in America to celebrate, but I read in Europe, in some places in Europe, they have it's a public holiday they don't go to work school what? they yeah they have festivals street festivals for since thursday friday saturday sunday including they chase a character dressed up as a person dressed up as a devil all around the streets and until he jumps into a pond i'm not kidding <laughs> Maybe we can bring that one back. <laughs> so That is so funny. Next up in the calendar is August 15th, which is the Assumption. And most people, when you ask who was assumed into heaven, most people will say the answer is, is Jesus, which is true. Jesus was assumed into he Well, he ascended into heaven. That's so what's the difference between ascend and assume? Ascend means he went into heaven. He, he took off on the rocket. But when you're assumed, you're pulled into heaven. Oh my gosh, Shannon, you're so smart. Is that right? I don't. That sounds right. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds right, though, because Mary couldn't by her own accord. Anyway, so Mary is assumed into heaven, and it is the day that I had to do the most research about, but I'm actually really glad that I did. It involved, my research involved me calling my dad and my uncle and my roommate to ask all these. <laughs> 
questions surrounding all of the research that I did. It, I kind of went into a rabbit hole about it. But I did learn a couple of new things about this feast day. So I found a lot of great reasons that this day is important from catholicexchange.com. So thank you to Stephen Beale for writing the article, Eight Reasons Why the Assumption of Mary is Important, and I will link the actual article in the show notes. But I do want to highlight a couple of things that he mentioned in that article. So C.S. Lewis has a quote that says, we do not have a soul. We are a soul. We have a body. And our Catholic faith teaches us that both the body and the soul work together to reveal God's glory and his beauty. And when we die, our souls, most of us, our souls will go to purgatory where they got to get cleaned up before we can get to heaven. Unless you're a saint or you're Mary, in which case you go, your soul goes directly to heaven. Well, if you're a saint, your soul will go directly to heaven. Mary went body and soul up to heaven. And that is the biggest difference about Mary. And that's why we celebrate the assumption because Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. So she doesn't have a grave. She doesn't have any physical remains because there aren't any. She is the only person other than Jesus to have gone body and soul into heaven. And this makes her stand out among all of the other saints that have ever lived, all of the other humans that have ever lived. And this gives us a great sense of hope because Mary is a human like us too. We know that Jesus became human, but Jesus was still God. Mary, while she was born without sin, she is still a human. She is not God. And if Mary can be assumed fully into heaven, so can we. And there's hope for that too. This is directly from the article, but Stephen says it so well, so I kind of thought it might be good to just kind of read his quote. But what he said was this, Mary's assumption reminds us that salvation is holistic. God does not just save half of us. He doesn't just pluck the soul out of the husk of a sinful body. We are saved in the fullness of our humanity, body and soul. And Mary is also the first person to enter heaven. Oh, that's cool. I think I've heard somewhere, but I can't remember where I heard this, was that the reason Mary was assumed into heaven was because God didn't want his mama to have a you know rotting corpse on earth and he couldn't bear to to know that her body would decay so he just took her whole body into heaven that's what i've heard that's Plus, really cool i think since she was without sin maybe that's why yeah i i didn't read that in any of my research but i think all of that makes sense so mary's assumption into heaven is the final reversal or it reflects the final reversal of all of the evil and the sin that Adam and Eve loosed on earth when the fall of man happened. It's always been a part of God's plan for us to be both body and soul with him because both parts work together in tandem. And Mary's assumption gives us hope that one day that will happen for us too. And that is why we celebrate the assumption. That theme kind of rolls into the next holy day. Who do? H do? H D O. Uh, which is All Saints Day. This is right smack in the middle of another three-day celebration of Halloween or Hallow's Eve, All Saints Day, which is our holy day, and All Souls Day. Here in America, it kind of has been blurred out and separated, but in other countries, it's all one huge celebration, which is really cool and also kind of makes me a little bit jealous, to tell you the truth. All Saints Day is dedicated to the saints of the church. 
that, that are recognized in canon. And also, anybody who's already gone through purgatory is considered a saint. All Souls Day, which is the following day, celebrates the dead that haven't gone through their cleansing to become a saint. Um, but the whole three-day celebration is to recognize that there is a spiritual bond between the people here on earth and the souls in purgatory and the saints in heaven. I've actually heard it described as the church militant, which is us, because we are currently and actively fighting the good fight. The church suffering, which is everybody in purgatory preparing to go to heaven, and the church triumphant, which is everybody already in heaven. Oh, that's nice. The first written record of the church recognizing saints and people in heaven was in 609, Pope Boniface IV consecrated the Pantheon at Rome to Mary and all the martyrs. And then you fast forward to the 8th century, and Pope Gregory III dedicated the day, November 1st, to all the saints with their relics. And by 835, it was considered a holy day. In Europe, people celebrate it all as one blend of days. All three of them kind of get blurred together between the saints and the souls and the dead. They put flowers and candles on people's graves. And this is a really cool tradition I heard that in the Philippines, they go around and paint and repair all of the gravestones of their dead. That is so I know, cool. it was beautiful. The last Marian Holy Day of Obligation that we're going to talk about, because there are several that have to do with Mary, takes place on December 8th, and it's called the Immaculate Conception. I've actually used this as a trivia question whenever we play Catholic trivia, because most people think Immaculate Conception refers to Jesus, but it actually is Mary that we're talking about. That's a and common miss. Conception. Conception. Oh, that was <laughs> good. One. I'm so proud of you, Shannon. <laughs> the reason why we celebrate Immaculate Conception is because Mary was born without any sin. All humans, except for Mary, have the original stain of sin on them brought forth by Adam and Eve, except for Mary. And that's because she would bear the Son of God, and Jesus could not be carried in an imperfect vessel. Mary was the essentially the tabernacle that held Jesus, and she needed to remain pure in order to give birth to him. When I actually, I was asking Siri to define this earlier, just to make sure I knew the exact definition of it. And what she said was, immaculate means free from flaws or mistakes, perfect, or in the Catholic Church, free from sin, which Siri has to be Catholic, that she would just like randomly throw that definition in there. <laughs> We honor Mary often in our Catholic faith because she is our mother. She was the mother of Jesus, but on the cross, Jesus turns to his brother John and says, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And this was an instruction for all of humanity as well. Mary is our mother, and just as we love and respect our earthly mother, we are asked to do the same of Jesus' mother. And that is why we celebrate the Immaculate Conception. Last but certainly not least, we have... Jesus's birthday. Ding dong, Happy on birthday, high. Jesus. Fun fact, actually, is that in early Christianity, they didn't celebrate the nativity because celebrating birthdays was a pagan holiday, pagan ritual. Really? I read that somewhere. 
I didn't know that. Fact check it for me. Christmas, a.k.a. the Nativity, is preceded by Advent, which is the four weeks preparing, getting our hearts to prepare for Christ's coming. I think we all know the story of Christmas where a pregnant, very pregnant Mary had to travel on a donkey to a town she had never been to, and she ended up going into labor and have to give birth in a barn in front of all the animals. I can't imagine how mortifying and disgusting that was, but it was beautiful at the same time because she gave birth to Jesus. But if she was without original sin, did it hurt her to have childbirth? I don't know because I always thought that child pain during childbirth was a product of original sin. Let's hope not because that would have just been so sad for her. I I feel like we should ask some of our priest friends to That's clarify a great that. One. If anybody knows the answer, did Mary have pain in childbirth? Please, Please let, let us, us know. know. You can read more about the Christmas story in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. We have a lot of different traditions that have come about from a mix of pre-Christian tradition, secular celebrations, and also Christian celebrations that make up this huge, widely celebrated holiday. We aren't actually sure when Jesus was born, but we celebrate on December 25th because the Annunciation was on March 25th, nine months after the Annunciation is December 25th. And what the Annunciation is, is when Saint Gabriel, Gabriel. the archangel, appears to Mary and says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And he basically says, you are going to bear the Son of God. And she responds with her fiat or her yes, which is, you know, I'm I'm the handmaid of the Lord. And, And she agrees to it. Gosh, that must have been so... I can't... I'm glad I'm not married. That must have been so terrifying. Could you imagine? No, 14 years I can't. old, unmarried. Oh, my goodness. No. That just, Good for you, Mary. We love yeah. you. <laughs> you're the real... You're the real deal, girl. <laughs> you're the ultimate feminist. So I also found some writings by St. Augustine that explains why December 25th, aside from it being nine months after the Annunciation, why we celebrate... Christmas on this day, it aligns with the winter solstice on the Roman calendar, which is the shortest day of the year. I think technically it's December 22nd, it's December 22nd but way, way back in the 300s, it was about the same day. And he says, hence it is that he was born on the day which is the shortest in our earthly reckoning and from which subsequent days begin to increase in length. He therefore who bent low and lifted us up, chose the shortest day, yet the one whence light begins to increase. And I thought that was just such beautiful imagery to know that little by little, this light is being let into the world until all of the sudden it's light for more than half of the day. And that culminates around Easter, well, I guess not, but... June 22nd. Yeah. Is the summer solstice. But still, the days are getting much, much longer than... So cool. That is really, really neat. I've never heard that before, and that's really cool. I haven't either. Sometimes research is really fun. 
also Jesus is linked to the sun a lot in the Bible, including in the book of Malachi, where Jesus is considered to be the son of righteousness. I think all of that all links together very nicely. We always go to church on Christmas, but I think this Christmas will bring it into a different light for me. You're on I'm a roll full today. Of them today. You are on a roll today. I'm so proud of you. have any feast days that you really enjoy attending or any solemnities that you like attending outside of the holy days of obligation please let us know we would love to learn about the days of the church that are important to you and if you would like to hear any more of the precepts of our church please let us know you can find us at an ordinary catholic on instagram or hang out with us and grab coffee one day we'd love to chat about it more We're praying for you. Please pray for us. And we'll see you in our prayers. prayers.